Welcome this morning to our Sunday morning service. Uh, if you are here and you've been invited this morning to come along, you've never done this kind of church before, or at least with us anyway, uh, welcome to, to this is live, you know, uh, it's not pre-recorded. And um, we're glad that you could join us this morning and pray that it's a blessing for you. I pray it's a blessing for all people. The best way for it to be a blessing is that your hearts are open to listen to what God has to say. Uh, that, that's how you're blessed this morning. You're not blessed because you want to intellectualize what I'm going to say or, or, or try and wrap your head around the, from an intelligence perspective, but because your heart is open to listen to what God has to say to you. And if you seriously want that, if you seriously want God to speak to you, then he will. God is not dead. God's alive and he's, and he's living and he's speaking and he's moving uh, just, as, just like he always has. Uh, and so I pray this morning your heart is really open to listen to what God has to say. If you've been closing your heart a bit to God, if you've been kind of hardening your heart a little bit to God, you're not as interested as you used to be, uh, you've gone a little bit cold in your love for God, well, today's the day that you get that right. You don't need to wait another day. There's no such thing as, oh, look, I'll do it tomorrow, I'll do it next week, maybe when we go back to church. No, no, no. Today's the day that you can sort that out. It's a prayer to God. It's a, it's a seeking God and seeking his goodness and his mercy and his love. And I pray that you do that this morning too. I want to pray this morning for um, for the word that's going to be shared for with us uh, to you this morning. Um, and let's pray that God's word this morning is a blessing, is a blessing to you. So join me. As we, as we commit these things to, to the Lord. Heavenly Father, we, we lift up all these things to you, Lord. We know that you're a God who knows them already, but you love to hear us. Uh, you love to, for us to bring our requests and bring our heart's desire before you. Lord, you're a good God, and I know that you know every person that is with us this morning, those who might be new or those who've been with us for many, many years. But I know, Father, that you know the depth of their heart and what they need. And I pray this morning that in the name of Jesus, that you may speak to them according to your perfect will. Father, we have nothing to give. You have everything to give. And so we pray this morning your blessing upon everything that is said and done in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I pray this morning again that your heart is open to listen to what the word has to say to you. You know, I was thinking this morning, we're going to continue our story of Philemon in you. And as I, as I share with you a bit of the introduction, you may, you may uh, choose to open up to Philemon, uh, which is just after the book of Titus in New Testament. It's just one chapter. If it is a chapter, it's a letter. It's short. It's less than 500 words. And so uh, it's this letter that Paul wrote while he was in prison to a man called Philemon who had experienced some loss and perhaps some pain and perhaps um, someone had upset him or hurt him. His slave at that time when he had servants, his slave had run away, perhaps even stolen from him. And uh, he'd met the Apostle Paul. Onesimus had met the Apostle Paul who uh, shared with him the gospel. Onesimus becomes a Christian and Paul knows that the right thing to do is to send him back to his master, Philemon. But in doing so, he asks Philemon to really be courageous and to step up and to be able to find forgiveness in his heart and restoration because of the problem that happened. Real Christian love, real Christian healing. And anyone that's serious about relationships in Christ, anyone that's serious about doing life together with other people, which is what we do as Christians, must read this letter, must read what Paul is saying to Philemon and how he, ex he expects and considers something very significant, and that is how we restore and heal things when they're broken. And we want to pick that up. I want to pick that up this morning and I want to continue to share with you uh, this magnificent letter of, of love and healing. But I was pondering this morning on how 
how there are when when we talk about the Christian faith, we we speak about how Jesus Christ deals with the issue of sin in our lives. Now, people don't like the topic of sin a lot. They think it's they might think it's a negative topic, but at the end of the day, it's that it's the understanding of sin in our life that actually brings us back to a wonderful relationship to God. If we don't understand this, we can never really understand what it means to be reconciled. Those who are forgiven much, the Bible says, love much. So you need to understand that you need forgiveness. But I was pondering that uh, there, there are almost different groups of people. I want to share with you a couple of groups of people that I think when it comes to relation to sin, I think there's a group of people that almost don't see the seriousness of their sin. They don't see it. They just think to themselves, I'm not that bad. Um, I, I'm, I'm okay. I haven't done too many bad things in my life. And, in fact, they see their relationship with God almost like in that relationship there's an element of their own goodness that saves them. There's an element of their own kind of performance that finds them favour with God because they're not that bad. They're not that bad. And so they don't really see the seriousness of the sin in their life and how desperately they need forgiveness. Then there's this other group of people who, who might go through their Christian walk unable, unable to kind of rid themselves of the guilt that their sin continues to haunt them with. This kind of people that always uh, uh, think about the things they've done and they're not quite able to sort of find a final resolution that Jesus Christ has actually washed their sins away, that it's done and dealt with, it's gone, and now they are a new creation. And I think, you know, for those two groups of people, what's most beautiful is the remedy. The remedy is the same. The healing is the same. The solution is the same. It's to look to the cross that Jesus Christ died on. And when you look to the cross that Jesus Christ died on, for the person for the person who thinks that their sin is not that serious, take a look at the cross for a moment. Look what it took God to do for your sin. It took God to send his son on the cross to die for sin. That's how bad and evil your sin is. And if you think to yourself that somehow it's not that bad, not that serious, take a look at the cross. It took that it took that to deal with your sin. And if you're someone who can't quite rid yourself of the guilt of sin, then I want you to do the same thing. Take a look at the same thing. Take a look at the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ and consider this, that God did do this to deal with your sin, that God did send his son into the world to die on the cross to deal with your sin. So let it go. Let it go. Find peace and favour with God, restoration and healing. And as Jesus said to the woman after she had all her accusers had gone, uh, said to her, go, go now. I don't condemn you. Sin no more. Find your peace and restoration and go freely to live the way Christ has called you to live. The Bible's full of, of promises that remind us so much of God's love and mercy toward us. And this, this story here is this beautiful story of love and mercy. And even though the Apostle Paul doesn't necessarily mention the gospel or the cross of Jesus specifically, there is something in this that highlights the gospel or the cross of Jesus in practice. It's, it's quite a beautiful story of, of the Apostle Paul highlighting just how much Jesus did for us, almost by replicating or imitating that love uh, and that truth through his life. So this story is a beautiful story 
of how we see to live life in Christ, to live the life that Christ has called us to and to be the people that God has called us to be. Listen to this verse. Ephesians 4 says this, And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Be kind to one another. Be tender-hearted. And do you know what Paul says here in, in another letter? He says, and I want you to do something. I want you to forgive one another because just like God forgave you in Christ. And it kind of sets us up for this, for this story of, of, of what God is doing through the life of Philemon, Onesimus, and the Apostle Paul, and even Philemon's household, I would, I would suggest. So let's pick up from last week. We sort of finished with verses 4 and 5, and I want to just, just quickly read those again. I want to, sorry, read those out again. It says, So I thank my God, making mention of you always in my prayers, hearing of your love and faith, which you have towards the Lord Jesus and towards all the saints. And so last week I was talking about how Paul understood and knew that when he looked at Philemon and when he heard of Philemon, he saw a man of love, and he saw a man of faith. What beautiful characteristics and qualities every Christian ought to possess and ought to have. Love and faith. And you've heard me say this before. It's a classic saying. You know, if someone was to accuse me or accuse you of being a Christian, would there be enough evidence? Would the evidence suggest that your love truly reflects the love of Christ? Oh, yeah, he's a Christian because look at the way he loves. He loves like Jesus loves. You know, yeah, definitely he's a Christian because look at his faith. You know, he walks, he walks and he trusts only in the living God. You know, someone was to accuse you and say he's a Christian. Would they turn around and say, oh, oh is, was he a Christian? Is he a Christian? I, that's really strange because last week I saw him doing this or last week I heard him saying that or, or, or treating his family like this. And so it would kind of almost um, contradict what we say we are. But Philemon wasn't like this. He was a man of love and faith. And Paul understood this. Paul knew this was his life because you can't have this faith without this love. They, they, go, they go hand in hand. I was speaking to someone yesterday. I was talking about, we are talking about the whole COVID experience and how many businesses are being shut down. And it's, it's, quite, a, it's quite a sad scenario. And this person had some kind of faith in God not necessarily the Christian God, but they had some sort of faith in God and, and, and we're talking about this. And I, and, I, and I sensed in the person's heart there was a kind of resentment towards government and what was going on. And I get that because it's been, it's been I, get, I get why people would feel like that because it's been a horrible and really tough experience. So I shared, I said, you know, at the end of the day, you just, we've got to just trust God. We really just got to trust God. It's really hard to, I think I said trust man, but we just got to really just trust God. And, and the person didn't disagree. They didn't disagree. It was like, yeah, yeah, we've got to trust God. And then I sensed because of this resentment, I said, you know, and also what we're going to do is we're just going to love people. We're just got to love people because at the end of the day, what else can we do? We're just going to continue to love people. And the person went silent. The person went silent. It was almost like when I walked away, I was thinking about it. You know, they were willing to say trust God, but the idea of loving people was a bit of a struggle. And this is what this is how Christians distinguish themselves. The Bible talks about a faith, but this love that goes hand in hand. Listen to some, listen to a couple of scriptures. The Bible says this. It's a really beautiful principle in 1 John. It says this. If anyone says, if someone says, I love God, yeah, trust God, love God, God is good. I says, I love God and hates his brother. 
He is a liar. There's a beautiful principle here about how you think about God and then how you think about people. And he does not love his brother who he has seen. How can he love God who he has not seen? What a beautiful principle. That's why Jesus was really particular about his disciples' love for one another. He said this to them, By this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. This is why this is why love is so impacting as a Christian because Jesus says, you know what your trademark is going to be? You know what people are going to know you for and remember you for? True love. Not not fluffy love, but true love. And this love that lays down your life for one another, this love that is rooted in truth, this love that imitates the life of Christ, this love that gives up selfish desires for the sake of the gospel. This love, he said, this love, people are going to know you're my disciples because you have this love for one another. Faith and love is cannot be separated. So when Paul appeals to Philemon's faith, he's appealing to his love as well because Paul knew if Philemon was a man of faith, then he was a man of love. So brothers and sisters, please don't find rest in your faith if you do not have love. And do not find rest in your love if you do not have faith. The two go hand in hand. And we seek God that truly his love works through us. Paul spoke this. Paul mentioned this because he wanted us to know. And he spoke this to Philemon as well. And then you go look at verse 6 and 7. How does this manifested? That the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. For we have great joy and comfort or consolation in your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you, brother. <laughs> Beautiful, isn't it? When you have faith and love, you know, what Paul is, is, is making reference to here is, you know, Philemon, I know you, Philemon. I know you, Philemon. You're a man who has faith. You're a man who has love and you're a man that actually refreshes the hearts of the saints. Wow, what a reputation. Imagine that on his tombstone, the refresher of saints. Imagine that as, a, as your trademark, someone who is able to refresh the hearts of Christians. That's everyone's capacity. That's everyone. By the spirit of God in you, you're able to refresh others and their souls and to encourage them in the ways of the Lord. And Phil, God knew, uh, sorry, Paul knew that Philemon was this kind of man. Now we know, we know the apostle Paul because it's the beauty of hindsight. We know that Paul was leading up to something. But nonetheless, what he was saying was still true. Philemon, you're a man of faith and love and you're a man who refreshes the heart of saints. This concept of refreshing others is a beautiful thing. You know, when you have someone come over to your house and you might say, then what do you feel like? And they might say, oh, I just want some water. I'm just feeling really thirsty. And you gladly give them some water because you want to refresh their, their, their you want to quench their thirst. Imagine, imagine being able to do the same thing in their souls. Imagine to be able to look at someone and listen to someone and hear their pain or hear their story and think, wow, this person is suffering a drought of the soul and I want to refresh them. And they may not want it. They may not want them. But you actually have the capacity because you yourself are being refreshed by the Lord. Listen to these verses. It's quite beautiful. Listen to these verses. 
Paul says in 1 Corinthians this, I'm glad about the coming of Stephanus, Fortunatus and Archaicus, for what was lacking on your part they supplied. Listen, what they supplied, three of them. For they refreshed my spirit and yours. Therefore acknowledge these men, he says. Acknowledge them because they were able to refresh my spirit. Can you imagine someone being recognised as someone who refreshes the spirit of the Apostle Paul? What a fantastic testimony of someone who is walking in the love of the Lord Jesus Christ and and perhaps um, uh, growing in their love for the Lord Jesus Christ and, and able to refresh a man who's meant to be like a pillar of faith. I love it. I love how the church works. And I know I always tell you this, and maybe I tell you, maybe I want to tell you again because of my love for you and to encourage you and to remind you. But I tell you the truth, there are times I'm just hanging out with people casually and you don't realize, you don't realize that you refresh my soul. You don't have to be anyone in leadership, you don't have to be anyone that has a title, but I'm telling you, you refresh my soul. Just like the Apostle Paul said this, just keep being you, keep being the Christian who loves God, keep being the person who's growing in your faith, keep being the person who's chewing on the word of God, keep being the person who doesn't want anything else in life but to grow in their faith because this is going to be at the centre or the hub of everything they do. Keep doing that. I'll tell you the truth. You're not only going to refresh my soul, but you're going to refresh many souls. And the person may not tell you, be encouraged. Walk in Christ and you will refresh souls. Listen to what Proverbs says, Proverbs 11. The generous soul will be made rich and he who waters will also be watered himself. Now, that's not, that's not gardening watering. That's the watering of people's souls. You're refreshing their souls. The Bible says if you refresh their souls, you also will be refreshed. So I want to ask you something. Are you the kind of person who waits to be refreshed? You feel entitled to be refreshed? You feel deserving to be refreshed? Why hasn't someone called me to refresh me? Or are you the kind of person who's looking, looking to refresh? Who's just waiting for an opportunity to refresh? I tell you the truth, listen, if we have a heart and an attitude and a mindset that is constantly looking to refresh, then we're all going to get it anyway. We're all going to get it. You're going to receive it and you're going to give it. You're going to get it and you're going to give it because people are always looking to refresh. As you grow in your faith in the Lord, you look to refresh others. Does that mean that if you need help and support that you shouldn't reach out? Absolutely. That's what you need to do. <laughs> you need to reach out. But don't sit and ask yourself, why isn't someone refreshing me? He who waters will be watered himself. Are you someone who's waiting or looking to refresh? The filament was a man who refreshed the hearts of the saints. What a beautiful testimony that is. Look at verse 8. Therefore, though I might be very bold in Christ to command you what is fitting, yet for love's sake I rather appeal to you, being such a one as Paul, the aged, 
and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Isn't this beautiful? Paul's an old man. He's in prison. And he says something quite significant to Philemon. He says, listen, Philemon, I can command you. You know, I'm, I'm like your, your spiritual father. I can command you, Philemon. I can say to you, Philemon, and, you, and you'll probably do it. I can say to you, Philemon, I want you to do this as your spiritual leader. I'm asking you or commanding you to do this. And Philemon, you'd probably say to me, okay, I'll do it for you, Paul. He says, I could do that. He says, but that's not how I want you to live. And that's not how I think you want to live, Philemon. He goes, rather, I appeal yet for love's sake. For love's sake, I appeal to you. This is what I want you to understand, Philemon. I don't want you to do things because you're commanded to do them. I want you to do things because it is out of love that you do them. How, How transforming that life is for Christians. How transforming to go from a life that says, okay, this is how I should do Christianity and have a list for yourself. How transforming to go from that to a life that says, Lord, what do you want me to do? I love you. How transforming that is to be able to live out of a place of love than out of place of duty and commands. You know, we call this a transactional way of living versus a relational way of living. A transactional way of living says, okay, you know, I'll do as much as I have to do. If they give me this much, I'll, if, if I get this much from them, I'll give this much. No. The Bible turns that on its head completely. The Bible doesn't say just do as much as you're given. The Bible says to go, I, I read, the Bible says to go the extra mile. If he wants part of your clothing, give him the other part of your clothing. This is the beauty of Christian love. The Christian love goes the extra mile. The Christian love doesn't live by a set of rules and says, you know what, I've ticked off everything I have to do today to be a good Christian. The Christian goes through life saying, Lord Jesus, speak. I'm listening. I love you. What would you have me to do? If you ask me and you call me to do this, Lord, strengthen me and equip me to be able to do what you asked me to do. This is the Christian life because it's laid down, it's selfless, it's given over to the things of God. It's not holding on to certain conditions. It's like that classic kitchen problem of people's works. Have you seen those signs? There are signs that like signs like, um, uh, sorry, you know, due to circumstances, the maid has retired, therefore do your dishes, you know. Or, um, you know, um, press this button for maid service. If no answer, do your own dishes or things like that. You know, you have these these signs in the kitchen. That we don't need rules. <laughs> you know, to, to use that as the example, we, 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 we gladly do our dishes. It's not rule. We do it because it's love for people. Our love for people does, don't want them to wash our dishes. That's our love for people. So we don't, we don't have to be told, wash your dishes, for a very simple example. You know, the classic home problem where you walk into the toilet and they haven't changed the toilet roll. Who's the one who changes the toilet roll in your family? I'm telling you, you could argue it's the one who loves <laughs> because no one's told them to do it. No one's told them. It's, the, it's, it's a love. It's not like, a oh, you know, I've got to do it now because it's my job. No, but everyone leaves it for someone else to do. These are very simple examples to portray a very big and serious problem in our world today, that people live in a transaction mindset. They'll do things because that's what they're getting from that person. They'll do things based on strict requirements rather than an abundant love for other people. And brothers and sisters, Jesus did not live like that. 
Jesus did not live thinking to himself, I'll give my disciples as much as they can give me. But rather he said, love one another as I have loved you. That, my brothers, that, my sisters, is the love of Christ. And he tells Philemon, Philemon, I can command you, and I know you'll listen, but rather I want to appeal to you for love's sake. Because that is the highest appeal. That is the highest way of living, so to speak. Because that is the way Christ calls us to live. And Paul knew what he's about to ask Philemon was a big ask. But if Philemon can do it, not out of duty, but out of love, then he was going to be able to do that. Listen to verse 10. I appeal to you. I appeal to you for my son Onesimus. He calls him his son. Well, he's not his physical son. My son Onesimus, of whom I have begotten while in my chains. Wow. Uh, Philemon, I want to remind you of someone. His name's Onesimus. He left you as a slave. Maybe he haven't stolen from you as well. But he became a Christian. He became born again through my ministry, through my, my witnessing to him. I begot him or he became a Christian through what I shared with him. He, he gave his heart to the Lord. And this happened, he says, quite interestingly, he says in verse 10, I appeal to you whom I have begotten while in my chains. This suggests, I think, this suggests that there was a season that Onesimus found himself landing, landed in jail as well when the Apostle Paul, I think Onesimus for wrong reasons, the Apostle Paul for righteous reasons. And so here they were together and Paul shares with him. I can just imagine Onesimus starts to talk to him and Paul says something like, I know Philemon. I know Philemon. Let me tell you about Philemon and starts to share with him the gospel. How wonderful that wherever you are and whatever circumstances you're facing, God still uses you. How beautiful. Because you're a heart that refreshes. Paul found himself in prison. Did that stop God? Did God say, oh, no, my apostle Paul's in prison. There goes six months of his ministry. Of course not. Of course God didn't say that. Paul found himself in prison and even in prison. God had a plan to use the apostle Paul. God kept working, just like COVID. COVID didn't stop God's work. God kept working. And he says, you know what, Onesimus, oh, sorry, Philemon, Onesimus gave his heart to the Lord. You know, I, I love the fact that God works and he doesn't need special people to do his work. Did you know that? God doesn't need high-flying corporate people to do his work. God doesn't need highly intelligent theologians to do his work. God may use these people in, for different purposes and for different seasons, absolutely. God might use fantastic minds and Christian philosophers to, to communicate to certain groups of people, but God doesn't need these people. Do you understand the difference? God will use everyone according to what they bring before the Lord because they bring all their heart. Please, brothers and sisters, do not look at myself 
or Brother Harb or Brother George and say to yourself, oh, man, I'll never be able to be used the way they're being used. Not at all. We, we don't think like that and we don't want you to think like that. God will use everyone for the service of the Lord because you give all your heart to Jesus. Do you know the Apostle Peter and John? They weren't necessarily um, considered to be intellectual men. And consider the work they did. John, Peter, fishermen. Consider the work they did for the Lord, and yet the outsiders considered them to be pretty simple men. They weren't trained theologians. They were pretty straightforward, simple guys who just did fishing for a living. And listen to what this Bible verse says. Because when when they got saved, boy, you couldn't stop them. You couldn't stop them. They were pretty radical for their faith. The problem was trying to stop them from being bold for Jesus. And it says this about them in Acts. Now, when they saw the boldness, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived they were uneducated and untrained men. Now, consider that for a moment. You see what's going on here? Paul and Peter, very bold in their word, very bold in their preaching, very bold in their message. But hang on a second, they're not trained or educated. So they're trying to reconcile in their minds, how can these guys be doing what they're doing and yet lack the training and the education? And they marveled. And then I love this last verse. You know, I think sometimes God, I don't know, I think sometimes God sometimes puts things in the Bible just, you know, really just to warm our hearts and just to encourage our hearts. And they looked and they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. Oh, praise the Lord. They had just been with Jesus. They had just hung out with Jesus. They had just fellowshiped with Jesus. They would listened to Jesus. They'd asked Jesus questions. They'd uh, um, spent time with Jesus. They received from him. They were strengthened by him. They were encouraged by him. And they didn't go to some kind of training or have some kind of specific education, which I'm not against all those things, but these men didn't have that. What they had, they had been with Jesus. And as a result, these were men who were having powerful, a powerful impact for the kingdom of God. Isn't that great? God uses the hearts that love him and want him above all other things. How beautiful is that? Paul's in prison, people are being saved. And he says, he says, Philemon, Philemon, Onesimus, remember Onesimus? He's begotten, he's born again while in chains. Verse 11. Uh, sorry, verse, verse 12. And I'm sending him back. Oh, sorry. And, and once, sorry, verse 11. And once he was unprofitable to you, but now is profitable to you and to me how amazing is that you know you feel like your life's been useless you feel like your life's been nothing you feel like your life has kind of had no meaning to it i tell you the truth in christ what might have appeared to be unprofitable all of a sudden the lord jesus christ transforms it and makes it profitable not for your profit but for the kingdom of god and so anyone anyone who suggests anyone who suggests that in christ there is kind of a meaningless life hasn't understood the gospel because in christ you will become the very person that god has ordained you to be and create in you the works that he's established even before time 
all of a sudden, everything becomes profitable in the Lord. Verse 12, I'm sending him back. I'm sending him back. Listen, you therefore receive him. That is my own heart. Now, I suspect Philemon's holding it in his hand and he's giving this, uh, sorry, Onesimus is holding it in his hand. He's giving it to Philemon and he's saying, uh, Philemon, can, can you just read this from the Apostle Paul? And, and, and Philemon's reading and he's saying, and I'm sending him back. Maybe Onesimus is before him. I'm sending him back. Therefore, receive him. That is my own heart. Wow. I want you to understand something, Onesimus, uh, Philemon, that when you receive him, you're receiving my own heart. How wonderful to consider how good and gracious we can be to one another. How wonderful to see each other through the eyes of Jesus. How wonderful to see one another with the compassion and the care that shows no partiality. Philemon. When you look at Onesimus, consider my heart. And how beautiful Philemon to say to himself, it's no longer the Onesimus I used to know. This is now the heart of Paul, the work of the Lord, the ministry of God. Yes, he did something, but he's a new creation. And how beautiful that God puts this love in our hearts for one another. How beautiful that we don't need to um, find or, or have them prove to us anything rather than their love for Jesus and their evidence of their love for us as well. Brothers and sisters, everything in Christ gets turned upside down. Your purpose in life. Uh, your ability to do the work of the Lord despite your education and training, your capacity to love, perhaps unlike before. Everything in Christ just gets turned upside down. And the Lord Jesus Christ calls us into his kingdom to be the people of his kingdom. And through this, we live out a life of faith and love. And I pray this morning that what you take away is perhaps something that God has spoken to your heart about how this faith and this love are manifested toward one another. If God has spoken into your heart, either it's your love for him or your love for others that is lacking, that needs something, I pray that you would come before him this morning, that you would ask him, Lord, clearly my faith and love need to be refreshed. And as you do this to the Lord, believing in your heart that the Lord desires, wants to refresh the heart of his people, that you may go refresh the heart of others. Don't remain as you are. Don't remain feeling like you're in a drought. Come and ask the Lord to refresh your soul. Come and ask the Lord. 
to refresh it with faith and love. Come, he's a generous God. He's a loving God. He wants to do this in you. He wants to do this in his people and, 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 and allow God to continue to do the refreshing work in your life. I'm going to pray for us this morning. I'm going to ask the Lord that two things, that firstly that you would, that what is spoken this morning, that you would take seriously to your heart, that your love and faith would be manifested to those around you. And this morning, if there's anyone among us that requires the soul, their soul to be refreshed, that you would come to the Lord this morning and seek his face and ask him and say, Lord, refresh my soul. Believing God wants to do this. Let me pray for us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this morning. We thank you for the life of the Apostle Paul. We thank you for his appeal to us, not out of command, but out of love. Lord Jesus, we pray that we are your people in your kingdom, demonstrating love and faith the way you did, Jesus. We pray, Lord God, that we don't want to take shortcuts. We don't want to be people who uh, there is little evidence of who we are in Christ. We want to be abounding in the love and the faith that you have given us. I pray that you work this in us, Lord Jesus, because of ourselves we have no strength. Of ourselves, we are weak, vulnerable, fragile. But you're a God who's full and generous and kind. Heavenly Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters that those who feel they need their souls to be refreshed this morning, that you pour out the the refreshment of your grace and your mercy upon them, that this morning they experience the touch of your hand, the presence of your spirit, working in them, refreshing them and renewing them in the Lord Jesus Christ. May they look to the cross, Lord, and may they see everything you've done for them to complete them. We thank you, Lord, for this morning. We pray for those who are, uh, for this week ahead, for those who are in need, that you continue to provide for them, for those who are studying, particularly our year 12s and their exams, that you continue to give them what they need and give them peace, Lord, throughout the experience. We thank you, Father, for all that you do for us and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.